Hello and welcome. I'm Andre Longley and this is the Ham and High podcast. My guest this week is Crouch End's Phoebe Morgan. As well as being the author of four novels to date, including this year's The Wild Girls, Phoebe is editorial director at HarperCollins, responsible for crime novels and thrillers. We discuss her career, as well as the million dollar questions, how do you write a book and how do you get published? Phoebe Morgan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. How are you keeping? Are you uh, you well? I am keeping well, thank you. How about you? Yeah, good, thanks. It's just getting a bit grey and autumnal outside, but um, yeah. I know, I've had to put the heating on for the first time, which is sad, a yeah, sad moment. <laughs> you forget, don't you? Um, so anyway, we haven't seen each other, I think, well, we worked out for seven or eight years, something like that, because um, we worked in the same newsroom when we were both kind of starting out as as journalists um and obviously you've moved over from from books so I mean tell me about journalism and tell me about, about making the change into publishing yeah of course it does feel like a really long time ago I was a journalist for really also not a very long time maybe a year I worked maybe even slightly less than that um so I think the thing about journalism was I was not very good at it um you are good at it which is why you're now running this newspaper and I'm not um but that's not how I remember it (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think the reason I went into journalism was was because I wanted to work with words and I think um, at that age I didn't really know that publishing or writing books was a career option if you know what I mean and you know I I love journalism as an industry and I have so much respect for it but I just wasn't the right fit for it and so I then made the decision to go into book publishing uh, because again it's working with words but it's just in a very different style Um, and for me that was a much better fit obviously so that's where I am now Um, but yeah I think I think there are sort of transferable skills and actually I'm always really grateful for that time in the news building because I think it taught me so many things in terms of meeting deadlines speaking to different people from all different walks of life confidence building like you do you remember like having to do like vox pops and stuff like that and just like speaking to strangers on the street definitely like equips you for working in publishing because you deal with all different authors from all different backgrounds and my job is quite I'm like a liaison for lots of different parts of the publishing process because when you're an editor you're often the sort of main point of contact for lots of different people so actually I think that journalism training has stood me in quite good stead even though I wasn't actually a very good journalist <laughs> well no I don't I don't think that's right I, I, I don't I remember you being very good you were on the you were on the news and mail the order shot news and mail weren't you I was on the Sun yeah. advertiser but it was the it was yeah. the same building uh, yeah do you miss Hampshire do I miss Hampshire um no because <laughs> I at that time you know without getting into too much worries me I had no money I was like living in London I was commuting out to Guildford which is where the office was and so I just remember it as being quite like a stressful time in my life all in all in general um but like I said it was actually a lot of fun but there were yeah a lot of elements of that job which weren't a great fit for my lifestyle at that point in time because also we had to do quite a lot of driving with the pool cars and another thing I'm not very good at is driving so I remember finding the driving element of the job quite stressful which is not a part of publishing I don't drive anywhere for for this job (laughs) I've got a memory of you running out of fuel somewhere out in the hills of Surrey yeah I did run out of fuel and 
Steve, Trevor Steve, he was so nice. He like had to come and rescue me. <laughs> um, and I also like hit someone's BMW once when I was trying to park the pool car outside someone's house that I was going to interview. And the owner of the BMW got really angry with me. And there were just quite a lot of car related incidents. <laughs> and so I think I associate Hampshire with that kind of stress. So no, I don't miss it. <laughs> That's good stuff. It's like the backstory in one of your own novels is coming out, your dark secrets about <laughs> pranging a BMW. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so you, did you, did you go straight from um, the paper um, straight to the publishing house? Yeah, I did. So not the one I'm in now. So when I left um, the News and Mail, I started applying for publishing jobs while I was working because I couldn't afford to like have an actual break. So I applied for a job at a place called Octopus Books, which is a nonfiction publisher. Um, and I started working there. I think this was in the end of 2013, maybe the beginning of 2014. Um, and I was working as a publishing assistant. So I was supporting the team on nonfiction books. So lifestyle, cookery reference that kind of coffee table books um and I really enjoyed it I really liked publishing but I I always wanted to move across and work on fiction which is what I do now um so now I work at HarperCollins and I work on crime fiction which is just my favorite I really love this job and yeah I think the, the non-fiction role was just a way into publishing because the same with journalism publishing can be really competitive to get into so that that kind of entry-level role I just was happy to take anything that I could get as long as it was as long as it was in the editorial sphere. Well, there's there's kind of two key questions I'm going to get to shortly, and one is how you write a book, um, and the other is how you get a book published, and you're yeah, ideally yeah. placed for both of those. But I suppose getting into the publishing world um, itself is is a different thing. Were you a, were you a fan of a big fan of fiction at the time, or has that grown as well? Yeah, I was always a massive reader. I didn't have a TV when I was growing up because my mum was weirdly strict about that. So I used to just read all of the time. That was my main source of entertainment. And so for me, it was always fiction. I didn't tend to read that much nonfiction. Um, it's one of those things I'd always love to read more nonfiction. But now in my job, there's just no time for extra reading because all your time goes on reading submissions and trying to choose what to buy. Um, so, yeah, but I was always a big reader. And I think obviously I read more now, but all of my reading now is basically for work. So actually, I only really get to read for pleasure when I go on holiday or have a particularly you know, quiet weekend because as part of my job, I'm publishing other people's books, but then I'm also getting loads of submissions from literary agents that we can talk about later. Um, and so that is something that you can't really fit in during the working week. So that ends up being your job at weekends and evenings as well. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's like a busman's holiday if, you, if you're reading another novel. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. I, I, I think I kind of feel there's a similar thing with journalism as well. I keep having good intentions to read a worthy non-fiction book hmm. but then I'm I'm reading all day or editing all day on the yeah. paper and actually what I just want to read before I go to sleep is a good page turner yeah. you know, novel mm -hmm. um yeah. for a bit of time off um so you're at um Harper Collins at the moment yeah. um and um the uh so in charge of um crime fiction yeah so I do Crime, crime and thriller so that's sort of everything from page turners that you say to slightly more literary crime uh, as long as it's got a dark edge to it basically it would fall under our remit um, and HarperCollins is obviously quite big it's one of the biggest publishers and so it's divided into sections and my section is part of the sort of wider fiction 
teams. So there'll be teams that focus on more book club fiction or general fiction. There's a team that does science fiction and fantasy. Um, but my yeah, my part of it is is the darker side, which I think I was just really drawn to because it was always the kind of novels that I really loved to read in my spare time. And the thing I love about crime fiction is it's just so wide ranging and there's such a big audience for it. And it's one of those genres that never really goes out of style. And there's obviously subgenres within it and there's different trends that come in and out of fashion that we always try and desperately follow. Um, but in general, it's just a very big part of the market. Um, and for me, I get a lot of satisfaction out of publishing books that hopefully a lot of people want to read and, you know, making sure those stories get out there. And I think for crime that's almost always the case there's always quite a big appetite for it if you know what I mean yeah no absolutely I mean it must be the biggest selling genre overall of, of fiction mustn't it it's quite um I, I don't know what your your uh, mum's reason was for not having a tv in the house but whatever the influence was you you've ended up spending your life dedicated to murder and intrigue <laughs> and killings <laughs> and, I don't know if you're trying yeah. to stay away from that questionable yeah I think it was more about the screen time than it was about like the content but which is ironic seeing as now everything is done on a screen um so yeah, you know, and actually, some you know, I obviously I do have a TV now as an adult, and actually sometimes I watch like there's some really great crime dramas mm -hmm. on TV, and my excuse for watching them is that it's research for my job because I'm thinking about plotting and the storyline, so <laughs> that's my excuse just for sitting and watching Netflix in the evenings. Absolutely, I'm hooked on Spiral at the moment. On oh, I haven't seen that. Is it good? It's French um, French procedural um, crime thing, and it's all on the iPlayer at the moment. Yeah. Um, what so um what what are the so so what is actually is your job so you're an editor so you do you, you get and presumably pitches from people um <laughs> of books and then you kind of see them through as a as a project is that right yeah that's basically it in a nutshell so I have a list of authors that I already work with which is about 15 authors at the moment and so those authors are under contract so every year I'll publish one book from them you know we normally do two book deals so we'll have two books under contract and my aim will be to publish those books you know in the best way that I can and try and build that author's career but then at the same time we're always looking for new authors to bring to the list and so I get loads of submissions from agents so they'll send me an email saying oh I've got this like amazing new thriller they'll usually send a pitch with like a one-line hook or something that they think is the USP of that book then a little bit about the author and then they'll attach the manuscript and say you know do you want to have a read and so a big part of my job is acquiring new new writers but you do have to be quite selective because especially in a big company there's obviously there's a lot of authors that we already have and so it's always about when I get a new submission in it's not just about is the book good it's about will it actually fit on our list in terms of thinking more strategically have we got space for it is there another author writing in a really similar way already you know have we got something that's got a very similar plot and so I do want to emphasize that because I think sometimes writers you know they get rejected by a publishing house and they think oh that means my book is really bad and actually mm. often that's not the case I've read some really really great books on, on submission that I haven't bought because there just hasn't been space for them or there hasn't been quite the vision that the author needs um because once if I if I like a book and I want to buy it it's not just my decision I have to then take it to our acquisitions meeting and I have to be able to convince everyone from the sales team to the marketing team to the managing director that actually like this is the book we need to buy and then I need to 
you know make sure mm. they give me the money to buy it so you you have to have everyone behind you for a book to be taken on yeah that, that's interesting that you look at the the market as a whole and yeah. I suppose not flooding it with similar things even if yeah. they've all got their own merits and it's yeah. not like one's a copy of the other it's just similar things come up I assume yeah exactly and then because like I said at the beginning my job is also to sort of liaise with other departments so there's the PR team and the marketing team sales team etc the rights team and all of those people kind of have to buy into my vision for how I would publish this book and obviously there's only so many of them and their resources spread across all of the different books that HarperCollins publishes Mm. and so sometimes there was a manuscript a few months ago that I absolutely loved I thought it was so beautifully written it was really really great but when I took it to a meeting not everyone loved it because it was post-apocalyptic and it was quite dark and to be honest it was a little bit depressing even though it was beautifully written and I think the kind of general public appetite maybe just isn't there for that kind of book at the moment because of the pandemic and people actually don't want to read something that feels a bit too close to home so there's all those kind of external market factors that come Mm. into play as well and none of those mean that the book is actually bad so I think that can be hard for authors to understand sometimes. Yeah definitely that's really interesting I think um, I love a good apocalypse personally Mm -hmm. yeah do that all the time and I did actually last year I when it lockdown first happened I struggled at first to read to kind of create brain space for reading but I did watch tv and I found myself watching more zombie things than I had previously really that's interesting yeah Mm. not out of a kind of deliberate contrary just um it just seemed to to fit in Mm, Um, yeah yeah, all those those factors I mean it's such it's such a tough thing for authors isn't it um you, you said um as earlier that um you get the submissions from the agents yeah so for somebody who's written a book we'll go to the writing in a bit yeah somebody who's written a book their first job for them is to find an agent who can do the pitching yeah I would say so so that's usually the approach that I would recommend is the approach that I took and it's the approach that the majority of the authors that I work with took nowadays there are other ways to go about it but going through an agent is the more traditional way there are, you know, there are other options. There are a couple of parts of HarperCollins that take unsolicited submissions, which means you don't need an agent. They're mm-hmm. usually the digital first parts of the business. So the book will be published in ebook first, maybe in paperback, but the focus will be much more online, much more on the ebook than in, than a printed book in shops. Um, but yeah, most of the sort of traditional imprints would would only take scripts that come through agents um and I also think having an agent is just a good thing for an author in general because an agent is there to help you you know they do obviously take a commission of everything you earn but I think they're more than worth it because they are there to you know fight for you they are there to negotiate your contract they are much more successful than you would be on your own in terms of getting you a good publishing deal getting foreign rights sales getting tv and film interest all that kind of stuff is really hard for authors to do by themselves because you know it's quite specialist knowledge um and some people do go down the self-publishing route but again I think that's really hard um and there are some successful self-published writers but there's an awful lot more that have not been able to get that cut through so if you want to be traditionally published I would definitely say give yourself a chance of finding an agent before you approach a publisher um, and there's some amazing agents out there um, it should be quite clear on the agency websites what they're looking for um, and I'd really recommend doing your research before you start approaching agents because some of them look for different things than others um, and they can have quite specific requirements you know 
in terms of how they want your submission to be formatted um but if you do get an agent it can really open doors for you so yeah i do always recommend that route to be honest i think that that makes sense and it, again to draw a parallel with journalism obviously in the news desk we get hundreds of emails yeah um constantly and we'd love to assess them all objectively on a level but the fact is that if something's presented in a way that's more accessible and that I can understand in the first line I don't have yeah. to try and translate mm-hmm. it's more likely to get more attention and, and things published mm, definitely and the other thing about being an editor is that part of my job is to form good relationships with agents so you know I'll take them for lunch and coffee and like get to know them a little bit and then if there's an agent who I think I have actually really similar taste to if they send me in a manuscript I might read that really quickly and think oh well it's from so and so so I'll bump that up the pile whereas if it just came from an agent I didn't know or some you know directly from an author it would take me much longer to get to get to the stage of reading it um I would say So obviously, as you said, if you're looking for an agent and you're a writer, go to their website, do the research, see what they want. Do they want three pages in a synopsis? Yeah. Do they want X, Y, Z? Are there any little tips just to make things simpler or more likely or to not annoy the person you're writing to that you would yeah. do in terms of the cover email? Um, I mean, I think all agents that I've come across are really, really lovely. So they're not, you know, they're not there to catch you out. I think they can feel intimidating I know that if you're looking from the outside at these sort of glossy websites some of the agencies can look intimidating but they're all just people you know and their job is to find your stories so definitely don't be too afraid to approach them I would say with your covering letter keep it quite simple Um, you don't need to have tons of writing experience you don't need to have won any awards some of the best books that I know have got published you know from writers with absolutely no experience at all Um, so that's absolutely fine you don't need to kind of worry about that side of things Um, I would say sometimes it's helpful to position your book quite clearly so try and summarize it in a line or two try to maybe give some comparison titles that you think it is a little bit similar to in the market so you know if you think you're writing in a similar style to someone like Ian Rankin just say that and it doesn't mean that you think you are Ian Rankin it just means it just helps the agent position Mm -hmm. it slightly in terms of what kind of novel they're going to anticipate reading um and and you know just keep it relatively short it doesn't need to be more than a page um you don't need to go into tons and tons of detail um but yeah and and you know just keep it professional you know then they're not looking for any bells and whistles like I remember I once got sent this book and the the sort of submission in the post and it was in this big black envelope with like ribbon all over it it was was like 50 shades looking um and you know just none of that stuff is necessary like you can just send an email um and that's that's absolutely fine just keep it simple yeah and short and the same we're receiving stuff short and simple something that gets to the point yeah interesting what you say about um referencing other authors because I think if I was doing it I'd be thinking oh do I want to mention in ranking because I'm going to be pigeonholed or they'll think I'm this or they'll think that yeah. but yeah, actually yeah. you think as a signpost of look this is the kind of market that- yeah I, th- I think as a signpost it's it's just helpful and quite often you see something like oh it's Ian Rankin meets something else you know it's x meets y um and I think it's not a bad thing to be pigeon- pigeonholed is kind of maybe like the, not the right word but 
definitely commercial fiction which is the kind of fiction that I work in we do think about the market so you we use comparison titles all the time in-house to say oh this book is x meets y and it's the same in probably like creative industries like tv and that sort of thing we're always thinking about the audience and everyone is quite time poor so the quickest way to sort of sum up a book sometimes is using those comparisons um and that's not to say that you then have to sort of stick to that forever and that your writing isn't a separate brilliant thing aside from that um but I think yeah like I said definitely on the commercial end of the market a lot of publishers and agents do use comparisons so sometimes I think it's helpful but I think if you're a writer and you just don't know then don't don't put them just for the sake of it you know if, if you're a big reader and you think actually my book is x meets y then say that but if you've actually got absolutely no idea then then leave it to the agent to do that pitching side for you does that make sense yeah no it certainly does yeah I'm, I'm a big Ian Rankin fan myself and um yeah I mean what and obviously he he kind of churns out yeah. churns that's harsh he, he <laughs> produces a masterpiece every year yeah, um yeah. the what what are the trends you said there's trends kind of within the genre that you see mm. and I'm mm. kind of interested do, do you suddenly see themes or writing styles coming through yeah I think things do slightly go in and out of fashion and some things sort of never really go away so someone like Rankin who's writing you know detective series with a strong character I mean that's all that's all you're kind of giving across if you say my books are like Ian Rankin that would make me think okay there's probably going to be a detective or maybe it's set in Scotland or you know you're kind of just giving these tiny little signposts um so yeah sort of detective fiction is sort of always there in terms of it's always something that people want to read um but then within that there are sort of little micro trends that come in and out I would say um and we definitely talk about it a lot of work because we're always trying to predict what the next thing will be so obviously at the moment um Richard Osman is doing so well he's number one mm-hmm. in the hardback and the paperback charts which is crazy um and his is what we would call cozy crime so it's about a group of retired retired people who team up together in a I think a residence care home to solve murder mysteries um so it's a great idea and um it's done super well and so we're always thinking oh will this mean that there's a lot more cozy crime because quite often the market follows one big leader um and similar happened when Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine came out a couple of years ago published by my colleague at Harvard Collins and that sort of spawned a lot of copycat publishing which I would say is in that kind of book club space with maybe quite a quirky female narrator someone who's a bit troubled um but ultimately a kind of uplifting feel so then there was this term uplit which is like one of those hideous publishing terms that we throw (laughs) around well it's not hideous I don't really mind it but some people don't like it um and yeah so quite often it's there's one big breakout book and then everything follows it so again like the girl on the train spawned all these similar psychological suspense novels and stuff like Gone Girl and Before I Go to Sleep by S.J. Watson they'll quite often be like a couple of really big ones and then loads and loads of other ones um and at the moment it's it's actually been quite difficult to read the market the last year and a half because the pandemic has kind of thrown everything a little bit out of whack um and last year a lot of sort of more classic stuff was selling because I think people were going back to what they knew and they you know the world was so scary that people wanted to feel comforted so maybe they were reading quite a lot of Agatha Christie they were reading a lot of you know what you think of as classic novels um and people were being a little bit less experimental in their reading I think they weren't taking as many Mm. risks um so yeah it's an an interesting one and and like I mentioned before about post-apocalyptic like there were quite a few lockdown novels that came out in 2020 but 
I would say overall, quite a few of them have struggled to sell. And I think maybe it's just a bit too soon um, for that sort of thing. I'm, I'm certainly not really in the mindset to read a book about a pandemic. So I can understand why others aren't either. Yeah, I think so. Is, Richard, mm-hmm. is cosy crime a, um, um, a, a term that's out there or is that a kind of internal term? Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, I, I never really know because my whole world is like You're the publishing bubble. So, so we use cosy crime all the time. Um, and, you know, it's obviously it's not a new genre. Um, I would say it's actually maybe more popular in America than it is in the UK. Like obviously Osman has been massive here, but there hasn't been loads of similar stuff coming through yet. But we keep thinking that there will be. Um, mm. And But in the US, sort of these kind of amateur sleuth mysteries have been doing quite well for quite a long time. Um, Whereas I think sometimes the UK market is slightly more violent or like slightly darker than the US market. Um, And that's quite interesting because quite often I'll take on a book and we might have world rights or world English rights and we'll try and then sell it to the US and they will say, oh, no, like it's not really the right thing for our market. Um, And it's fascinating the differences between different markets across the world different territories really want different things yeah moving at different speeds yeah I've read um recently this year some Mark Billingham which I'd never read before mm-hmm. but it sort of fits into the kind of the darker yeah British side of it I did also read Richard Osman's first one uh, on holiday in the summer and it is brilliant yeah yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah I'd be fascinated to chat with him I don't know you might have um spoken to him at some point but I'd fascinated to chat with him about the process because his background's obviously in tv formats mm. so he's a very calculating knowing my audience knowing the market working it out yeah and you could look at um the the um murder club Thursday murder club and think mm. well that could be quite a cynical <laughs> look at the market and thought I can target it here but actually it's such a good book that even if he did do that it doesn't really matter it's uh yeah quite possibly I mean it's been really phenomenal like those sales aren't normal like we obviously do have like big books that break out but his 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 um sales are really off the scale to be honest and yeah I mean credit to him I think you know that he's done a great job and Penguin have published it really well um so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how long it kind of continues to sell on for yeah definitely um just uh, just to stick to the publishing for, for a minute. So well, who are the, the writers that um, our listeners on your um, stable that they may not have read, but really should? And, and why? Yeah, so um, I've just published a book called Girl A by Abigail Dean, which is actually number two in the Sunday Times list behind Richard Osman. Um, <laughs> so that's a tiny bit annoying, uh, but <laughs> um, that's amazing. Yeah, um, and you probably might see it around because um, it's Waterstones um, Thriller of the Month. So it's very prominent in most of the Waterstones stores. And our marketing team have done this amazing job of putting some big yellow A posters on the tube and up around London and Glasgow, Manchester. Um, so if you live in any of those areas and you see a big giant yellow A that it's advertising <laughs> Girl A. Um, and that is an amazing story. Um, the author is, again, really really wonderful it's called Abby Dean and uh, it's a story of a, a girl and her siblings who escape from their family's house when they are young their parents are abusive um, and one of them the girl a of the title manages to escape when she's 15 years old and alert the authorities so it has very dark elements but it's also about the way that people recover from that kind of childhood and a lot of it is set in the future in the present day when Lex is an adult and she's working as a lawyer in New York and she has to an extent overcome her past and so it's about trauma and the way we recover from our childhoods um, and 
it is very dark but it's also very hopeful um so that's one i would really recommend um and another author i published is called Catherine cooper um she's also a sunday times bestseller and she had a book called the chalet last winter um which did really well and one called the chateau just now which came out a couple of weeks ago and those are kind of locked room thrillers which again has been a bit of a trend in the last year or so um where you've got like a really tight cast of characters in a deserted location so whether that's a chalet in the snow and something bad happens and that group of friends have got to figure out what's happened and why um or this time it's in a friend's chateau so they're kind of very escapist page turning like if you're looking for a page turner um her writing is is really brilliant that kind of leads on nat- uh, naturally to the next part of the conversation because i'm uh, about two thirds of the way through your latest um, uh, book you. yourself, which is World Girls, which has been mm-hmm. brilliant so far, I've got to say. Um, and that's very that is a kind of locked room um, yeah. book, isn't it? It's um, it's about a group of friends. Yeah, um, it's about a location. I don't know without talking plot. I don't know what more you'd want to say about it. Yeah. yeah so it's um it's set in Botswana in a um a safari lodge and so I wrote most of it in March April May 2020 when we were in proper lockdown uh so actually it was really nice to be able to sort of escape into uh, a sort of hot lovely location rather than just sat in my North London flat um so yeah it's, it's about four friends who um were very close at school and have then fallen out on a specific night for a specific reason that the reader doesn't immediately know uh so they haven't spoken for a couple of years and then one day they all get an invitation to one of their friends birthday parties out in Botswana they all decide to go um and they arrive at this amazing luxury lodge and it's deserted and their friend isn't there so they then are sort of trapped in this location and they have to work out you know why they fell out and where their friend Felicity is and it's definitely a very much like a locked room thriller um and yeah I actually really enjoyed writing it I've written four books and I think it's probably my favorite one because it just it just was much easier to write than the others and I don't know if that's because we were in lockdown there was nothing else to do and I just I found it really escapist to write um anyway so I hope I hope people have that same experience if they read it that kind of escapist feel yeah, well, they, they certainly should. I'm just up to the, as I say, part two, which begins with a chapter, well, with uh, Felicity. Yeah. So I think things are going to start unfolding for me shortly. Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> and I, I've not read your other books, so um, I don't know how it compares. I mean, it strikes me that um, in this book, so much is about painting the three characters that we yeah. see a, a lot of early mm. on. So that must be quite satisfying, creating them and creating their mm. specific life even before the plot I guess to some extent yeah definitely I love writing characters and um I love reading other people's characters uh I think I've got a friend called Gillian McAllister who's another writer and I think she is very very good at characterization if you're looking for like a sort of character study to have a look at I think she does a really good job of it um and there are lots of lots of writers Liz Nugent is another crime writer Irish crime writer who I think she creates some really horrible characters but they're like really fascinating um and I think if you're a writer who's starting to think about writing a novel then definitely writing characters could be quite a good way to start you know putting a toe in the water um and you know you can do this thing where you maybe you know pick a particular characteristic of someone you know and then try and develop that into a little character study and just write a couple of pages about that person without having to worry about putting them into a plot or a story I think that can just be quite a good I suppose a creative writing exercise Mm. just to get your 
brain turning in the right way and then you never know like those characters might go on to then find a place in your novel if you write a full-length novel um and I think doing exercises like that is never wasted you know those words save them on a word document somewhere and you might end up putting them into a book someday yeah and those ideas can yeah can be recycled so did, before you wrote your first novel yeah. were you doing lots of that thing do you were you doing creative writing classes and things um so I did a short creative writing course at a place called Morley College in Lambeth um which was a lot more affordable than some of the creative writing courses out there um you know there were quite prestigious courses at places like Faber Academy and City and I think City is in North London uh but they are quite pricey, I think. So um, Morley College was great because it was much more affordable. Uh, and I did a course, I think it was six weeks, maybe 12 weeks, um, just evening classes. And it was really good because it made you a bit more accountable to your writing and it made you take it more seriously. And it also made you share it with a group of people, which can be quite scary. Mm. But I think if you want to be a writer, you have to be comfortable with other people reading your work because if you get published you'll have an agent you'll have an editor you'll have foreign editors that you will have people messing around with your script um I mean Mm. not messing around obviously polishing (laughs) it uh but and then and then you'll have readers hopefully so you have to be able to kind of take feedback and take criticism sometimes and you're never going to please everyone is what I think I mean I definitely get emails from readers you know saying oh I didn't really like this bit of your book and it's like oh thanks for taking the time to let me know that (laughs) um but you know you kind of develop quite a thick skin to that sort of thing especially a few books down the line um so yeah I I think the creative writing course I did was was really useful because it just gave me the confidence to share my work that that yeah that is useful and Mm -hmm. and obviously there's a a thick skin's got to be developed yeah but um because you know we're in a world of opinions aren't we and 100% yeah every opinion is valid and wanted you must find that as a journalist you just must get bombarded with opinions all the time exactly the the thanks for letting me know take it into account in my next newspaper or book yeah um when you're so you're you're a relatively recent new um resident of Hammond High land uh, you're in Crouch End mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're sat in your in your home in, in Crouch End and starting a new book are you starting with characters or with a plot or with just putting some words down um so I weirdly start with setting um I only know one, one other writer mm. who does this I mean I'm sure mm. there are loads more but just someone that I was speaking to said that she starts with setting as well um because I find in a lot of the, the books I really like that the setting is almost a part of the character uh, sorry a part of the storyline it's almost like mm-hmm. another character if you can get it right um and so I've set each of my four books in different places one was in London um in North London one was in Essex one was in Suffolk and then this last one is in Botswana um and then the next one the one I'm writing now is set between um the UK and Thailand so so I'm trying to just go a little bit further afield each time um and so yeah I start with setting and then I do have an idea of the plot I think because of my day job I'm quite aware how important it is in commercial fiction to have a hook or to have a kind of way into the novel that you can pitch quite easily so I do always try and come up with something like that and I think it's quite a good exercise to do because it helps you just distill your thoughts a bit and it forces you to think okay what is my book actually about because if you want to write a crime novel or you want to write something commercial you do need to have a plot the plot is really really important and it's one of the main things that I'm looking for when I'm reading in my day job as an editor Um, and it's not that the characters or the writing aren't important they definitely are but if the plot 
doesn't hang together or it doesn't make sense or it's too derivative that's the thing that I would probably you know that would probably mm. lead to a no um so yeah but for, but for me I always start with a setting and and the kind of germ of an idea and go from there um and I'm not really a massive planner a lot of people are really okay. into the planning um whereas I I normally have an idea of how I want the book to end and I know the kind of rough starting points but I don't plan it out scene by scene but I know some writers do yeah that's interesting and it suits different people doesn't yeah. it the um the I've done bits and pieces of hobby fiction in the past and plot was always what I've struggled with and I remember mm. somebody saying to me nothing happens in this <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah fine. as a short story you can kind of do that in a different way and paint a picture with it um, yeah definitely and I love short stories I just don't I don't publish them but I think yeah in full-length novels you do I think a lot of people fall into that trap where there actually isn't anything happening and and you're just sort of like uh yeah like it, mm. it, it, this book is going to be quite hard to sell because not enough happens in it that that does happen sometimes but we can change it you know most of my job is to edit books so you know nothing has to be perfect when it comes in and often you can add plot and you can change plot around and you can move it all around like a big jigsaw puzzle so all of that stuff is definitely solvable if you have the right editor yeah I think I think um I wonder if if plot in a way the reason you want that first is because that might be slightly harder to edit as in if there's no kind of plot mm. or arc then putting that into what they've already done is changing the entire shape of the book whereas if you've got the plot and the arc presumably you could say well could you make this character bigger or yeah yeah brighter or expand on that section yeah a lot of my editorial notes are quite often about expanding or or lessening sometimes you know it's quite rare for me to say you know you really need to rewrite this whole whole book um sometimes there's sections that might need rewriting and there might be a lot of the time it's a re reshuffling so I think some people fall into the trap of almost like starting off a bit slow with their manuscript and then it's like actually chapter four is where it gets really brilliant but I would say like move chapter four to the beginning because that's the bit that agents and editors are going to read and because we get so many scripts there's no way that we can read 100% of all of the books so if it's not really grabbing me by you know 20% 30% in then I probably won't carry on reading so it is really important to make sure your beginning is is really strong and then obviously it stays strong throughout um but yeah don't feel like you have to kind of start off slow I think it's always good to give it your best shot from but even from the very first line you know you can you can tell a lot from like the first line the first page first chapter you can tell whether you're going to like it or not I think I wonder if um, a small bit of that was your time as a, a reporter, because obviously that's one of the... Yeah, probably. Yeah, it probably is, actually. Now I think about it, that's another thing. Yeah, it's kind of, it wasn't a wasted year after all. <laughs> <laughs> it, sure it wasn't at all. And, and I think you, you mentioned the kind of the puzzle of it. Again, that's something... I listen to quite a lot of podcasts and things about comedy and mm. writing of comedy and stand-up comedians. And it always stands out to me how similar that is to journalism in a way because you kind of have your key points that you want to put together you know what you want to do with it whether it's a routine or a news story which is what I do and then it's a puzzle of how do you get the right things in the intro that then make the second yeah. line work and the third line and it's that that puzzle of putting the elements in something that makes a satisfying whole yeah must definitely be the same with the whole book I think you're right and I think especially in crime fiction because as we said before it is a big popular genre readers have certain expectations so often they're 
they will be disappointed if it if it doesn't hang together and a lot of them are very discerning as well so if there's a part of the plot that doesn't really make sense or there's sort of some loose threads that haven't been tied up then you know believe me they will pull it out and put it in the amazon reviews (laughs) so yeah yeah how much do you avoid those reviews when it's your own books i do look at them not all of them but i do look sort of every now and again at my reviews and I always think if my average star rating on Amazon is above four which I think it is for all of them four out of five then I'm pretty happy I think the only time I would worry is if it was you know really like two three you know on average that I would worry that the book was not right and that something was quite seriously wrong with it but I know what Amazon is like and I know what readers you know I'm very appreciative of all my readers but there are people out there who will leave negative reviews just because there was something subjective about the novel that they didn't enjoy and like I said you're not you're not going to please everyone so as long as I've pleased like the majority then I'm okay with that um and honestly you just can't take it personally it's just it's so subjective um that yeah it doesn't really bother me to be honest. Which are the the bits of the process that you love because I know any writing there's a certain amount of slog there's certain bits where there's trepidation and there's certain bits where there's stress because of Mm -hmm. what's ahead or what's happened yeah yeah bits you love gosh um I like starting something new that's exciting when you've got that idea and you're just getting to know those characters so I would say writing the first maybe like 30,000 words is quite fun because you're still really excited and then you sort of hit a wall and then it becomes quite bad and then you're sort of just wading through the novel to get to the end and I quite like the end as well Um, I think I suppose it's the middle that is quite tricky and sometimes motivating yourself to continue writing because it is hard work you know it's I mean I always say that but it's, it's not hard it's not like I'm working in the NHS saving lives anything like that so obviously you know you've got to keep it in perspective but it, it is quite a lot of self-discipline to write novels I think because a lot of the time well most of the time you're by yourself you haven't got anyone there sort of cracking the whip or telling you you've got to do a daily word count all of that has to come from you so you have to really want to get to the end of your book and you have to have the discipline to just keep on writing and your first draft probably won't be brilliant but that's why you can go back and edit it and polish it so getting that first draft down is is sometimes hard um but yeah I like writing the beginning I like thinking about my new characters um and then in the publishing process there's really exciting moments so I love seeing my jacket for the first time like the jacket that the publisher comes up with that's really fun seeing that and seeing that designer's vision for your work um I love getting emails from my readers I love it when people come back for like the second or the third book that I've written because like you say that means they saw something in my writing that they liked um so there's those and those are positives you just have got to be prepared to put in a bit of the grit work I suppose yeah I guess that's the thing isn't it when you get to the tough middle bit just keep getting words down because if you do that then yeah you just have to keep going and everyone says this but you just have to not give up as well and if you want to get published like some people don't get their first book published but they might get their second book published and you only need one agent to take you on and you only need one editor to buy your book in that early stage of your career you know you don't need every publisher in London to say yes and I think a lot of the time writers look at the industry and they see all these kind of splashy things about oh this book's gone for six figures in a nine-way auction and that is not the norm you know those books are the exception there's a loads of books that are bought just by one editor who really likes it and and that's really all you need you haven't got to be the big big splashy announcement I don't think that stuff really matters well thank you very much for um for talking to us today what are you reading right now 
Oh, I'm reading submissions. So I'm not really reading anything for fun. So I've just finished reading a really good submission, actually. So I'm thinking about whether I'm going to send that around to my colleagues. Um, I have got a couple of things that I want to read for fun. I want to read the new Sally Rooney. Um, I want to read the new Paula Hawkins. And I want to read the new Liam Moriarty because I actually love all of those writers. But yeah. that's the thing with my job. I just I haven't had the time. Um, but maybe this weekend I'll get a little bit of time. So presumably, like every one of us, there's a pile of books next to your bed, which has just been added to. Yeah, I have tons and tons of books at home. And I also read a lot on my Kindle. I'm a really big ebook reader. Um, so and I just love I love being able to carry it around everywhere. It's so helpful. But yeah, my house is absolutely, absolutely groaning with books. Um, <laughs> but I can't complain. No, it's a good way to live. Yeah. Um, Vivi Morgan, thank you very much. Everybody should read um, uh, Wild Girls and um, yeah, all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you so much to Phoebe for speaking to me. If you enjoyed the podcast, hit subscribe and we'll be back soon.